Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, tough week. Tough few weeks. This show tonight is going to be totally coronavirus. What else can I talk about? Uh, I think last week I avoided most of it for a change of pace, but you got to get into it. Absolutely no question. It impacts our lives now 24 hours a day. May we all survive. Uh, you know, I guess if you live long enough, you see everything. I'm 84 years old. I never saw anything like this. Sure, there was AIDS, but that wasn't my problem or my concern. And it wasn't as bad as this thing is, this coronavirus. We saw Ebola, but it wasn't here. It wasn't our headache. Uh, the, la- the only thing I can remember that was close, but it wasn't even close, was tuberculosis. I mean, this was World War II time, then in the late 40s into the early 50s. I had friends in school who got TB, and then they were taken away for six months or so, taken up into the woods in the Adirondacks. They had to breathe clean, cold air, and they survived and they came back. But never gave it any thought uh, like this. This is with all of us. My God. Uh, So I guess if you do live long enough, you do see everything. Uh, I've got to say this. Who would have believed? Who would have believed? And I also would say, God help us all. Now, on Sunday, I wrote an interesting blog. You know I do a blog every day. Uh, I wrote an interesting blog. I thought it had to do with coronavirus. And it was based on an article I had read in the New York Times. I titled my blog, Italy of Today, the United States of Tomorrow. Italy today, the United States of tomorrow. Uh, So let me review some parts of it. I'm just going to throw them out to you. And they are experts from a very fine article. Uh, See, I believe our time has come. The number of confirmed coronavirus cases and deaths in the United States is on the rise dramatically. We have exceeded China and Italy in numbers The United States is number one. This is Lewis talking. I'm not into the article yet. And I think that's a distinction that we're number one in uh, coronavirus cases that we could have done without. We are on the edge of a cliff, a precipice. The fall will be long. New York City is an inkling of what is to come. And New York has not reached the most horrible yet. The worst of times. Yes, the worst of times is yet to come. The New York Times on March 27th published an article, as I told you, concerning Italy. It clearly reveals what is ahead for the United States. The article was titled, and I quote, We take the dead from morning till night. I repeat, we take the dead from morning till night. This is Italy again, my friends, that is in, up until this past week was in more shape than us, and they're still in horrible shape. And let me share some of the excerpts from that article with you. Uh, And they they relate to a community in northern Italy called Bergamo. Beginning, the streets of Bergamo, dead, no noise, but won't won't stop 
are the sirens, but won't what won't stop are the sirens. The sirens keep sounding, like the air raids of the Second World War. They are the ambulance sirens. The blare louder as they get closer, coming to collect your parents and grandparents, the keepers of Italy's memory. At this point, all you hear in Bergamo is sirens. Low levels of oxygen in blood, an extreme danger sign. We have seen the worst, and the hospitals are like the trenches of war. Listen to that. We have seen the worst, and the hospitals are like the trenches of war. A war at home, a night of coughing fits and fever. I'm sick. I can't do it anymore. His temperature 103, and his skin has become yellow. Ambulance crew members carry oxygen for the sick, always with oxygen. One of the biggest dangers for coronavirus patients is hypoxemia. H-Y-P-O-X-E-M-I-A, hypoxemia, or low blood oxygen. Doctors worry when the number drops below 90. Some coronavirus patients have been found with readings of 50. Their lips are blue, fingertips violet. They take rapid shallow breaths and use their stomach muscles to pull in air. Their lungs are too weak. Oxygen has become an essential treatment for victims whose lungs steadily fail. Family members who have seen grandparents and parents taken away don't cry. They don't have any tears left. They don't cry. They don't have any tears left. Children say goodbye, uncertain whether they will see their father again. Hospitals themselves are not safe. Some infected. Bergamo had to send 400 bodies this is wild. Bergamo had to send 400 bodies to other provinces and regions and countries because there is no room for them there. If we had to identify a spark, it was the hospitals. The area of Bergamo, it's hospitals that are a source of the dead. Ambulance are, ambulances are disinfected. We are learning that hospitals might be the main COVID-19 carriers. Ambulances and personnel again are infected. Show no symptoms. Spread the virus further. Doctors are urged. Doctors are urged. Doctors urge home care and mobile clinics to avoid bringing people to the hospital unless absolutely necessary. Hospitals still admitting up to 60 new coronavirus patients a day treated for the virus. Clinical evidence, the coughs. The low oxygen levels, the fevers, is a better indicator, especially since 30% of the tests produced false positives. Wild. The hospital had 500 coronavirus patients who occupied all 90 ICU beds. A month ago, the hospital had only seven such beds. Such patients wear transparent plastic helmets filled with oxygen to help them breathe. The most crucial or the most critical cases are anesthetized and intubated. Since intensive care units have expanded, ventilators and respirators are in demand. Oxygen flows everywhere through Lombardi hospitals now. Workers constantly pushing carts around the corridors. A tanker truck filled with oxygen is parked outside. Patients are jammed next to supply closets and in hallways. If people don't stay at home, the system will fail. I repeat this again. If people don't stay at home, the system will fail. 
Intensive care unit beds are reserved for patients with a reasonable chance to survive. Now listen to this. Old patients are not being resuscitated and die alone. Old patients are not being resuscitated and die alone. Sense of taste for food is lost. A frequent complaint among people without symptoms but who have had close contact with the virus lose their sense of taste and their sense of smell because if you can't smell, you can't taste. ICU wards require specialized nurses who are themselves getting infected, adding to staffing strains. Coronavirus patients occupy all ICU beds. Doctors turn away many no, doctors turn many patients onto their stomachs to relieve pressure on their lungs. So many people are dying so quickly. The hospital mortuaries and funeral workers cannot keep up. A funeral director said, we take the dead from morning till night, one after the other constantly. Usually we honor the dead. Now it's like a war and we collect the victims. Few funeral directors are left. Coronavirus has made them sick or dead. Those remaining are like a sponge and take the pain of everybody. Funeral personnel find it hard to get masks and gloves. They are a category in the shadows. In hospital mortuaries, coffins are backed up in empty rooms. Coronavirus patients are taken to a hospital. The hospital cannot provide them oxygen for several days. Families can't go with them or see them. It's like sending someone to die alone. The dead are buried without a religious or civil celebration. We cannot have a funeral. Cemeteries are locked shut. A chilling backlog of coffins, coffins, a chilling backlog of coffins waits in a traffic jam for the crematory, crematorium inside the cemetery's church. The dead, buried or cremated, in pajamas and medical gowns they perish in. Bodies often, this is horrible, bodies often linger in homes for days as stairs and stuffy rooms become especially dangerous. People die at home because there was no room in the hospitals. All beds are full, one family was told. The woman was 75. The hospital gave priority to others that were younger. I love this. I'm 84. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not laughing. This is serious stuff. In her last weeks at home, her family struggled to find tanks of oxygen, driving all over the province as she sat facing her garden and the pinwheel she loved. And that's the end of the story uh, that was in the article in the New York Times. Uh, I have just one comment to make. Uh, These are difficult times. Uh, I believe, as I'm sure everyone believes, or we hopefully believe, that this too shall pass. In the words of Hemingway, the sun always rises. Okay, that's a terrible story. That's a sad story. Now, what are we going to talk about next? Uh, On Sunday, New York City. Do you know how many dead they had in a six-hour period? Over a period of six hours Sunday, one person died from coronavirus every 2.9 minutes. For six hours, one person died every 2.9 minutes. 
Andrew Cuomo, Cuomo is governor of New York. Let me tell you something. You've been watching him on television. We all have, as we all have watched, as we all watched Donald Trump. Cuomo is presidential timber. He doesn't take bullshit from anybody. He tells it the way he is. He doesn't dress anything up. He tells you where there's hope and where there's despair. Uh, too bad he doesn't have the opportunity to run in this next election. He would make one hell of a president. I knew his father personally. His father was governor of California, of New York, rather, for three terms. I knew him very well. And Andrew is his father. That's all I could say, and that's a compliment to Andrew. Our children are at home. The kids in school, from grammar school through high school, they're out of school. There's no school. We don't know how long they're going to be out of school. They probably won't go back till September. Their parents are home, mom and dad. There's no work. <laughs> so mom and dad are home. The children are home. The whole family is home. Something's going to develop out of this. You see, the, our children, for the first time, the children of today, are seeing their parents firsthand every day, 24 hours a day, day after day, week after week, while all this is going on. They will learn from their parents. Uh, most parents are good people. Uh, most people are good people. And how their parents deal and handle things, how their parents interact with each other during this crisis will set the groundwork for how these children are going to develop and how they are going to react and be in their later lives. Uh, I hope it all works out well. I suspect it will. It's, it's, some, it's some sort of a joining time, an interacting time. There's a word here I'm trying to think of. I can't. But uh, it's different. It's really different. I can recall, because I grew up in upstate New York, we'd have winters that were terrible. I mean, you'd have about three storms a year where no, no one went to work for two or three days. You couldn't get out of the house. You couldn't get your car out of the garage. You couldn't get into a street. Uh, the snow sometimes was six, seven feet high. It would drift that high. Uh, but they were good days because the kids couldn't go to school. I couldn't go to work. My wife had to put up with me every day, all day. So did the kids, but it was a different time for us. I'd light the fireplaces. We'd sit around. We'd talk. We'd read. I'd pontificate, trying to teach him something. Uh, we'd discuss things back and forth, depending on their ages. It was a good time. It was a learning time. Something is terrible that's happening as a result of this coronavirus thing. In another fashion, I mean, the death itself, the pain and suffering itself, the loss of family is horrible. But there's another situation here, and this one I don't like, again, because I'm 84 years old. Uh, and I, I'm a pretty good 84. <laughs> I mean, I'm active and everything else, even though I've quarantined myself. Now I'm into my 21st day. I don't want to take any chances. You don't know what the hell's going to happen out there, who I'm going to run into. I have not had a human being or seen a human being in my house or on my porch for three weeks. I won't let anyone out in the house who delivers my groceries or even at the door. Uh, and that's just the way it is. And uh, that's the way it has to be, or at least it has to be that way, I believe, for me. Now, 
the hospitals are getting crowded. They're going to get more crowded. Look what's happening in New York City. Doctors and nurses are depending, are deciding life and death. Life and death. I call that so- Sophia's choice or Sophie's choice. Sophie's choice. Remember, there's a book written years ago and there was a movie made um, where a woman came out of one of those railroad cars and at Auschwitz or someplace else. And there was a German officer sitting there, and she had two young children. And the German officer said, one of them has to die. And he says, you decide to Sophie. Well, it was her, the mother had to make the choice whether her daughter or her son would live or die. Wasn't the way things were supposed to be. I don't think they were, it was the way God intended things to be. Now doctors and nurses are making that decision. Uh, because if you got an old person like me and you got a 40-year-old, the 40-year-old's obviously in better shape, he's going to get the ventilator. I'm not going to get the ventilator, so I'm going to die. And the, they're making that decision along the way these days, and they don't like it. You listen to these nurses and doctors on television. They don't like it because that is not the way they were trained. They are trained to preserve life, to save life. And this is contrary to everything they know, everything that they understand. It's difficult for them to make that decision. But who else is going to make it? And that's the way it is. And I don't think that's going to change. So that's another reason why I'm in here 21 days self-quarantine. I don't want anybody to make the decision for me. I, in effect, believe I'm making my own by staying inside. Uh, all right. Now where are we, Lewis? Uh I love what I'm going to share with you now. This is humorous. <laughs> in this sad crisis, perhaps the saddest time health-wise in the history of this country, listen to what I'm going to say to you. The CDC, we all respect the CDC, uh, is considering at the present time advising all Americans to wear face masks outside. The CDC surely is going to say to us, wear a face mask if you go outside with one provision okay only if you make your own however (laughs) only if you make your own should you wear it if you can't make your own we can't help you find one oh my god my god my god uh we're gonna go to the philippines now president duarte a tyrant a diabolical individual Hey, Donald Trump, this, you know, I, I don't know if Donald's as bad as him. I don't think Donald's gotten as bad as him yet, but he's damn close sometimes. Uh, but Trump likes the bad guys. He likes Putin. He likes Jong-un. He likes the president of Turkey. He likes the president of Brazil. He likes all the bad guys in the world, and he loves Duarte. Now, this Duarte is no gem, my friends. Uh, when he became, he's tough. He goes for the jugular. He doesn't screw around, this guy. Uh, when he became president two years ago, the Philippines had a very, very, very bad drug problem. They don't have a dr- bad, bad drug problem anymore. I don't even know if they have a drug problem. If it is, it is extremely limited. Immediately, he made an order. All right? Anyone carrying drugs, anyone using drugs, was to be shot on, the, on, the, on site immediately. By the police or the army. Shoot them. No arrest, no trial, 
nor judge, nor due process. Shoot them. And he eliminated the problem. This is the kind of guy he is. Now we got coronavirus, and they got a bad time out there, too. And people forget. They don't learn. I'm talking about his people. He told them on March 12th that they should, and I quote, soft lockdown, soft lockdown, thinking they would listen to him. They didn't. They kept running around the streets, going to beaches. Uh, (laughs) Now, no problem. And we're talking primarily about the island of Luzon, the largest one in the Philippine chain. Uh, He says, no problem. Four days later, on March 16th, he declared a, and I quote, rigorous lockdown. Now the people started listening. He didn't have, you know, the cops go out and shoot the people if they're on the street. But what he did was, instead of taking the bodies in the caskets to some place to either bury 100 bodies in a deep hole, cover it with lime and cover it up, or to take them to a crematorium, or if they're lucky, just bury them in a cemetery, which is not going to happen these days. Uh, instead, he had the bodies taken, and he put them on the roadsides <coughs> and opened the caskets, one after another, all right? Now, who the hell's going to go outside if there are dead bodies up and down the streets? I'm, I'm, I'm smiling and laughing a bit, but this guy has some sort of perverse genius with, within him. And at the same time, at the same time, uh, he had the trucks going up and down the street, soldiers driven, and they were in using water cannons, shooting disinfectant on the streets, on the bodies, and on the few people that were walking on the streets. So they all smelled very good between the dead bodies and the disinfectants. Now, let me show you, let me give evidence to you of the kind of creep Duarte is. And this is something that Donald Trump might say. I mean, I, I, I've got to say it this way. He said this week, a couple of days ago, Duarte, he said uh, of the health workers, who are dying in the hospitals, helping the people who are sick with the virus. He said they are dying in the line of duty. And he says, said, and I quote, I quote, health workers are lucky to die for their country. Health workers are lucky to die for their country. Uh, somebody's sick. Uh, and again, Donald happens to say stupid things like that. But this is the way it goes, and this is the way it is. So, there's a ship, Holland America cruise ship. Cruise ships are becoming such a problem during this crisis. Cruise ship, only because they, they don't make us any money. They don't register in our country. They register in some country in Africa or in the Cayman Islands or someplace uh, because they don't want to pay taxes to the United States. Uh, we collect extremely little in taxes from them, way less than 1%, okay? And they get away with it. All right, well, who wants them then in this time of crisis? And cruise ships, I know, I can't speak for the rest of the country, cruise ships are not allowed in Florida. Here in Key West, we blocked, we threw them out two weeks ago. Because uh, you've got, you got people a thousand at a time coming off these ships. Four or five cruise ships coming in every day to Key West. 
They unload 1,000 to 1,500 people each ship. They walk around all day drinking, eating, buying souvenirs and all that stuff, and then they go back on the ship and they leave. Well, while they're here, some of them got to be sharing their bug with us. Uh, which, by the way, I want, let me share this with you. It just came to my attention today. Up to last week, only one person had come down with coronavirus in Key West. I thought it was pretty good. It was announced today in one week. We are now up to 15. Mm. Don't ask me why, because we don't have the cruise ships. But let's get back to the cruise ship. There's a cruise ship called the Zandam, Z-A-A-N-D-A-M. It's part of the Holland America line. Uh, They had a South American cruise. It started in South America. It was supposed to end, I think, on March 7th or March 12th in San Antonio, not Texas, Chile. Well, the the boat carries 1,432 passengers and 615 crew. You got 2,000 people on there. Some of them came down with coronavirus. Someone got sick. Some of them got sick with coronavirus. They couldn't test them all. Two died, four six, uh, four are sick rather. But they nobody wanted them. San Antonio, Chile says, you're not coming into my port. And they've gone to other countries, and the countries all reject them. They are on their way now to Fort Lauderdale. They want to put in at the Port Everglades in Fort Lauderdale. A decision has to be made this evening because apparently the ship will be here tomorrow morning. Uh, Do we take them? Dumped a good number of their passengers off on another ship, a companion ship, called the Rotterdam, this part of Holland America Lines. And I don't know where they are, if anybody's sick, not sick, who's going to be quarantined or what. Do we want to take the Zandam in Fort Lauderdale that's going to have, let's say, a 1,000 people coming off into the community? Regardless of what steps we take, some of them, them have to be carrying the coronavirus bug, okay? We've got enough problems of our own here. I'm going to sound cruel and heartless. We can't even take care of our own. I may die because there's not enough inhalators, okay? (laughs) We're going to let more people in to compete over inhalators. We're going to let more people in who may share their disease, which is already terrible, okay? And Florida's gotten bad in the last week. We spiked in the last week here in Florida, and we're going to let them in. I say no. I say we say to them, go somewhere else. We don't want you because if you don't get permission, they can't land. Well, this was a county decision, or whatever county Fort Lauderdale's in, um, Dade, Miami-Dade, Broward, I'm not sure which one. And uh, the county doesn't want them. But the county said, we're going to go to the federal government, our national government, to decide what to do. Because somewhere in the rules, the CDC must help and must be a party to the decision. I thought for sure Trump would say, no, get them away from us. And I'm not being charitable here, and this is not a time to be charitable. I'm going to tell you right now. What did I hear Trump say about 6 o'clock tonight on TV? He says, I'm going to be talking with the governor of Florida today, tonight. And he says, you know, I feel sorry for these people. This is an obligation we have to help the sick. He's full of shit. All right? He's going to let them in. Typical. You may, not, you may think I'm, you know, I'm... It's not our headache. I don't want it. Our people don't need it. We can't afford it. 
And these people never did anything for us. I'm talking about the cruise lines. Let them go find another country. <laughs> uh, I think it's a stupid, dangerous thing to do. And if my senses, Trump's going, Trump's going to agree with it. And in one week, mark my words, you're going to hear, this one came off the ship, and all of a sudden this one got infected. This one's in the hospital. All right? We haven't got enough for ourselves. And God helps those who help themselves first. I believe this. Sounds cruel and harsh. I like to think of myself as a good and charitable man, but I think that's the way a good and charitable man should think under these circumstances. One interesting thing, Dr. Fauci, when the war came between Trump and Cuomo over his need for 30,000 ventilators, Trump said he doesn't need 30,000 ventilators. Dr. Fauci got on that microphone immediately and said, bottom line, he's got to have 30,000 ventilators, period. Good man, Dr. Fauci. Uh, Well, my friends, that's the show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed. I hope it wasn't too harsh on occasion. Uh, But we all say what we think. Think. Uh, Come back and join me next week. I hope I'll have happy things to talk about. I'm I'm going to go out of my way to look for happy things. Uh, You recall I do a blog every morning, keywestlou.com. Listen to me. If you like the show, you like the blog, uh, it'll take you all the five minutes to read it. I've stopped doing my podcast because all of a sudden my cell phone doesn't work properly, which I do the podcast over, and I'm not leaving the house to go to Verizon to get it fixed. So that's where we are there for the time being. Keep yourself safe, my friends. Say a prayer, too. We get close to God on these occasions, and I look forward to being with you again next week.